So what characterizes OCD is, um, so let me talk about what obsessions are. So obsessions are an intrusive thought, really, and they're recurrent. They happen quite frequently. So for example, the most common, which is why it's pretty relevant to what's going on with COVID-19 and the pandemic, is um, one of the top obsessions is concern about contamination. Um, But also part of OCD is you could also you could have both obsessions and a compulsion, um, or you could just have just compulsion. So a compulsion is an actual behavior. And in OCD, these behaviors are pretty recurrent and frequent and feel beyond someone's control. And that's like the checking compulsion, counting compulsion, sometimes hair pulling. And when people have a compulsion and act on it, in a way it's to relieve anxiety that they have. But obviously, if it's reached the point of OCD, it's it's pretty disruptive and distressing in their personal life. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 27. Hey guys, thanks for joining me for yet another episode as we continue the conversation about how to manage our mental health during this time, during self-quarantine and a international pandemic, which we have never been through before, right? Um, It's been a few weeks now since this whole shutdown started and there are conversations going on, right, in news and media, government, about how things are gonna roll out in the future. Still a bit of uncertainty going on. And so I did wanna take the time to specifically talk about anxiety and especially OCD and how that may be uniquely coming about throughout this time. And so I'm so glad that I got to have a conversation with my friend, Dr. Vania Manipod. She's certified by the American Osteopathic Board of Neurology and Psychiatry. She believes in a holistic and integrative approach to psychiatry that incorporates psychotherapeutic techniques, diet, and lifestyle in addition to medication management. Uh, when necessary, right? And Dr. Manipat is also a writer, speaker, and medical expert featured in various publications and TV shows, and has also built an international following on social media to promote mental health via her Instagram, Freudian Fashion, and her blog, FreudianFashion.com, which I enjoy so much. All of the wisdom and insight that she has to share with the public um, from her field as a psychiatrist, but also just the very real and down-to-earth weight that she connects with others. Um, Being human, right, Um, even though she is a psychiatrist, she is also human and she's very open about sharing her journey, even in working through anxiety herself, which she's going to share more on this episode. So without further ado, here is my conversation on managing anxiety and OCD through COVID-19 with Dr. Vania Manipod. Hi, Vania. Welcome to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. It's so great to finally have you. I know. Thanks so much for having me, Brittany. I'm excited. (laughs) Me too. Um, For those who aren't familiar with you, um, you know, we met, I want to say last year, 
was it? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's last year. It's been a while. Yeah, we we met last year over a mental health professionals brunch um, that. Uh, Therese, Dr. Therese Moscardo and yourself hosted and Therese was on here as well talking about grief a few episodes back and it was so great meeting you guys. We got to have a wonderful brunch and just kind of catch up and get to know each other and that was so cool that you guys did that. Yeah, I know. It was. I think we've been following each other on social media for a while. So it was so cool to finally meet you in person and realize you're just the same in person as you are on your social media, which is awesome. That's always good to know, you know, (laughs) because you never know how people are. I feel like in real life, especially you had this maybe idea of them online, but then to like meet you and see like that you were just super cool and super down to earth and really easy to talk to, but also really admiring the work that you do um, is really awesome. Oh, thanks. I feel the same about you, Brittany. (laughs) So why don't you, for those who don't know you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing in, in psychiatry and what led you into psychiatry? And I mean, you do also a lot of just kind of supporting and educating others who are on that path, students and residents and whatnot. And um, you just have a really great voice in the mental health sphere online that I really appreciate. So would love to hear more about your backstory. Yeah. Well, thanks. Um, so my name is Vinia Manapod. I'm a psychiatrist and I practice in Southern California. I just recently moved to Orange County from Vin- the Ventura area. Um But in addition to practicing as a psychiatrist and seeing patients one-on-one, I started about, it's been like 10 years where I started blogging about my experience training in psychiatry during residency because I found that, you know, a lot of psychiatrists weren't as um, like open on social media type stuff or in the media in general. And I also wanted to do my part to kind of raise awareness about psychiatry and break the stigma. Oops, sorry about that. That's okay. And break the stigma. Yeah, and break the stigma because I'm open about being in therapy myself. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like, well, why don't I talk about my experiences being in therapy and also being in training to be a psychiatrist? So I just thought that was one of the best ways to kind of bridge the gap between me and other people who struggle with mental health issues. So a lot of the stuff I've been doing has been kind of trying to reach the public more to raise awareness about, you know, mental health, um, promote mental health, and um, also to for other people to realize, like, it's okay, we all go through, you know, different struggles and it's okay to seek support and be in therapy. So I've been fortunate to be on TV, do speaking engagements and do a lot of writing to kind of share my perspective on that. Yeah, I think that's what something that's very refreshing about you is that you are so open and you're like, you know, and it's like a lot of times we I, I don't I don't want to assume for anyone else, but it's like seeing the person behind the psychiatrist, behind right. the therapist. I mean, it just very much takes on this monotone idea of mm-hmm. what a therapist or psychiatrist is, or even like some people are very skeptical about psychiatry and meds, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think you being someone who is just so yourself and very open about the process and um, your journey is is so refreshing in that world. Actually, now that I think about it, I think oh. one of the ways that I recognize, sorry, 
I think that one of the ways that I got connected to you online is I watched a video and it was yourself, I think Dr. Drew Ramsey uh-huh. and oh my gosh, is Dr. <laughs> Ali Matu, is that right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, and I think it was at Columbia. You guys did a panel about um, how, like, where kind of the balance is between social media and being, um, and being a, a, you know, a physician, someone in the medical field, and, yeah. and how to balance that. I thought that was so interesting. I know for me personally, as someone going into the field and having a social media presence, it was just like, yeah, where is that balance? Where it's right. like, yeah, we're human, but you're also, you also do have a professional standing and clients who are following you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Just want to say really quickly, like sometimes my patients will be like, have you struggled with anxiety? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, they're kind of like, oh, you know, kind of like, right. kind of makes it feel more light. Like they're not, it's just very validating. So yeah, I'm happy to provide that. And I'm open. So I'm I love glad that it resonates with other people. Yeah, I love, you know, seeing you talk about therapy, you know, being someone who's a therapist and going to therapy, and I have a therapist myself, and it is just, it's amazing. So I love that you're destigmatizing all of that. Um, So jumping into the topic of our conversation today, we were just talking about how perfect it is that you're on right now, um, because we originally planned to have a conversation sometime in December, but there was a lot going on. Uh, you just had a wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations again. Thanks. And we're, we're relocating. And now the time has looked totally different than mm-hmm. when we first planned this. But I can't think of a more perfect time to have you and have this conversation openly regarding COVID-19, anxiety, OCD, and the like. Um, and so... You know, for those who, you know, I think anxiety can sometimes be an abstract thing for people. Like, yeah, I'm worried or yeah, I feel some concern, but I don't know if I have anxiety, you know. Uh-huh. Um, what what would you say are some of the telling kind of signs and symptoms of anxiety as well as OCD? We wanted to kind of look into that today. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, So usually when I talk about anxiety and try to describe and explain anxiety, I always start by saying that anxiety is a very normal experience for humans. I mean, that's one of the reasons why, you know, anxiety kind of drives us to do better. Um, It helps us in a protective way because it helps us recognize what dangers are and because we'll have fear about something and we'll go into survival mode and have this anxiety, but it helps us in many ways. But at the same time, Like there's a lot of people who experience the anxiety in a way that feels just really beyond their control and to the point where it's just such a really difficult experience to the point that it negatively impairs their life. So I always try and explain, you know, like a lot of people view anxiety as like a negative thing sometimes, but in a way it helps us. But yeah, but when people experience it in a way where it's just so constant and frequent and to the point where it starts to affect their day-to-day life, they can't function at work, they can't function at home, then that's usually when it becomes more concerning. Um, so anxiety and is something that I try and explain to other people that it also manifests in different ways for people. Like some people get panic attacks. Um, some people have social anxiety, which is something I'm open about experiencing myself and struggling with, but a lot of people also have 
obsessive compulsive disorder, which is OCD. It's actually one of the more common anxiety disorders. And that has um, uh, a different way of manifesting more as obsessions or compulsions or both. And I'm happy to go into, um, you know, kind of some symptoms that people may experience if they're worried about having that type of um, struggle with anxiety. Yeah, totally. Let's dive in. Okay. So <laughs> so what characterizes OCD is, um, so let me talk about what obsessions are. So obsessions are an intrusive thought, really, and they're recurrent. They happen, they happen quite frequently. So for example, the most common, which is why it's pretty relevant to what's going on with COVID-19 and the pandemic, is um, one of the top obsessions is concern about contamination and fear of germs. Um, But in addition to that, other obsessions are related to doubt. Like, did did I lock the house? And did I do this? And did I do that? That often leads to people to having compulsive checking behaviors. But then there's also other obsessions like intrusive thoughts and having these thoughts about um, kind of aggressive and sometimes sexual acts where they just can't get rid of these thoughts, even though they don't want to have them. They just constantly keep happening. And then, you know, other common things like symmetry, Mm -hmm. things have to be symmetrical or specific colors. And then there's also religious obsessions. So there's different ways that the obsessions manifest. um, But also part of OCD is you could also, you could have both obsessions and a compulsion, Um, Or you could just have just compulsions. So a compulsion is an actual behavior. And in OCD, these behaviors are pretty recurrent and frequent and feel beyond someone's control. And that's like the checking compulsion, counting compulsion, sometimes hair pulling. And when people have a compulsion and act on it, in a way, it's to relieve anxiety that they have. But obviously, if it's reached the point of OCD, it's, it's pretty disruptive and distressing in their personal life. Right, right. I was just going to ask, I think that a lot of us feel like, oh my, you know, the term goes out, I'm being so OCD, right? And it's like, no, that's not what you think it means, right? (laughs) Um, But I I think some of us are like, kind of getting into that, being drugged into that uh, reoccurring thought where it's like, oh man, I touched this. Oh, I just touched my face. Like I'm doing everything wrong. (laughs) You're right. Uh You're You're just like, I'm doing everything wrong. I'm touching my face when I shouldn't be touching my face and I'm touching my phone and then touching, you know, Uh and some of us are getting into this loop. And I guess maybe talking about like what's kind of normal, you know, considering the circumstances versus what might be like, okay, no, this is beyond and you might want to start seeking more support or help or find some ways to untangle um, this loop that you're in in a way that's affecting you more seriously. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. 
Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Right. So it's, you know, a lo- I, I know a lot of people with OCD are struggling during this time because yeah. it's a pretty debilitating um, disorder. But I also have to say, I've talked to some of my patients who have OCD and they, or even anxiety disorders in general, and they're finding um, that during the pandemic, seeing that everybody else is having these worries, like what you mentioned about touching your face, right. fear about germs, they're like, wow. Now the world knows what it feels how like. How I feel. Yeah, how I feel. <laughs> That's so true. On a day basis. So it's actually been, yeah. it's so interesting because some of them are like, it's really validating right now. And it's kind of nice knowing that other people are feeling the same way and they're not alone. You know? I could see that. I could totally <laughs> see the other side of that. Like, oh, now they know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, back to your question. So trying to figure out what is a, I guess, acceptable amount of, Um, Yeah, worry or concern given the circumstances, you know. Yeah. I think it was really hard in the beginning when news of the pandemic started because a lot of people had no idea what to do about it. So I know a lot of people were watching the news more frequently, were more, um, you know, diligent and like frequent about like making sure they wash their hands like every minute. They weren't sure what they would touch, if it's okay. Um, But I think Right now, we've kind of established that things that we do know is that we have to, you know, wash our hands for at least 20 seconds and um, make sure we stay uh, socially distanced from people and wear a mask and try and stay away from people who are vulnerable. So I think as long as we are um, doing these things uh, at at a decent rate, like each time we feel like we've touch something that's high risk, you know, like a doorknob or something. Um, Or maybe we are, you know, maybe we did come in contact with somebody, but at the same time, we're kind of testing our thoughts like, okay, I did everything I could Mm -hmm. to make sure I, 
you know, stayed my existence. And I think that's okay. As But the, I think the difficulty for a lot of people is that they, it's constantly overwhelming their mind. And I do think that's exacerbated by watching the news more and listening to what other people have to say, like family members who might be overly worried about it. And yeah. I, I think for us, as long as we know we're doing our part and being cautious as much as possible, but not to the point where it's we're ruminating about it and it's constantly taking over our lives. And I feel yeah. like that's considered acceptable. Yeah, that's that's really good. It's like you're doing the best you can. Like mm-hmm. that's exactly. that's what you that's all that you can settle with if you've done the best that you can. You know, like you literally have to leave the rest to God. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like you're doing your best. Um exactly. and based on the proportions, more than likely you are gonna manage through that. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. So going off of what you said, just like, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm totally in that family group text where it's like, you know, every other day someone is sending just the worst case scenario Mm -hmm. to us. And like, I had to mute it at some point because it was just like, you guys, like this, this is too much, you know, and I get that everybody's concerned. And so switching over to like how to manage some of these symptoms and still trying to live your life through COVID-19 conditions, um, how to manage the anxiety, how to manage the OCD um, in a way that you can still live a functional life through this to the best of your abilities considering the circumstances. Right. Um, Well, kind of going along with what you mentioned about having to hit mute on some of those family and group conversations. um, That's actually a big one is for people with anxiety or the general public, but especially for people living with anxiety and OCD is to number one, set boundaries and set limits. So for example, like you mentioned, having to mute some of those group texts. And I've had to do that same thing too, because yeah, you'll get these frequent articles from unreliable sources and you're like, okay, I did not need to read that and (laughs) develop this fear all of a sudden about something that is probably not true, you know? So setting limits on um, the type of information that you consume Um, And especially the news. And that's a big one, too. Setting limits on how much news you can tolerate. Like, for example, for me, I can't watch more than maybe 30 minutes to an hour. I do what I need to do to stay informed. But um, I found that once I set limits on the amount of news I read and listen to, that that has lowered my anxiety immensely. So I recommend that to the general public, too. Um, But when it comes to setting boundaries also, especially for people with OCD, That's also setting limits on how much disinfecting they do, um, how much washing their hands they do. So again, going back to doing the best you can, knowing that, okay, when I touch something that's very, you know, um, highly likely to be touched quite frequently, like like a doorknob or something like that, I'm going to disinfect at that time. or maybe even setting limit like once a day, I'm going to disinfect surfaces, but then leaving it at that. um, That's what people with OCD struggle with the most, especially the hand washing. And I think when it comes to hand washing, I always try and emphasize that obviously you have to wash your hands thoroughly, but you don't want to wash your hands excessively to the point where it causes breakage and damage because that's going to make you even more prone to infection. So for people with OCD, it's finding that balance and setting limits on it is extremely important. I love the idea of 
creating these structured boundaries where it's like you still have some level of control, but you're not using this excessive control like you said where you know it's like okay one time a day I'm gonna disinfect all the doorknobs right or you know after I leave the store you know I'm gonna keep a disinfectant in my car and then I'll use it then driving home just these very structured ways so that Mm -hmm. are these internal agreements of how you're gonna uh, disinfect that are realistic and aren't excessive so that we still have some level of control um, Mm -hmm. and we're still being precautious but we're not driving ourselves crazy exactly <laughs> um, doing too much and 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 therefore feeding the fears all over again exactly so that being said I guess thinking more about the long run right for someone who is listening to this and maybe they've never gotten help for OCD or are really struggling with this anxiety and this has just this whole situation has kind of amplified it um what would be some like therapeutic interventions that might be used for those who have never experienced therapy and are wondering like, I mean, is it possible to get over this? Like how how does it even work? Like what could someone even do? What could another person even do to help me get over this? Maybe sharing some of what those interventions would look like for anxiety or OCD that are actually very effective um, and can help help people evidentially live a different life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, And then just to clarify, so does it mean more for people who maybe this pandemic is bringing about more awareness about their struggles with anxiety or maybe people who who find that they're um, they've been struggling for a long time even before this, but are wanting to get help? Yeah, um, I'd say both. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Okay. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, that makes sense because I think this is, this pandemic is bringing out a lot of anxiety that people have. And I would say for the people where maybe they didn't struggle before, but they're struggling more now and they're finding that it's really negatively impairing their life, I would also recommend that they kind of, well, not saying wait it out necessarily, because I think some people are pretty judgmental of themselves. Like maybe they don't have as much of a routine. Maybe they're not staying as focused working from home, or maybe they're not homeschooling their kids, you know, as perfectly as they would love to. I think there's a, there's a, that's one of those questions of, is this a normal sense of anxiety given the circumstances um, versus is this a disorder? And I would say if it continues to progress and worsen to the point where, you know, they're, they're noticing that they really can't function as well, even as, um, you know, people, kids go back to school and uh, some of the rules are lifted, then I would say, okay, um, then I would consider seek a mental health professional because I think everybody's struggling right now, but yeah. is it, it could still be an adjustment phase for a lot of people. So totally. I would, and it's only been like what, six weeks or something in the United States. I think something like that. Yeah. And I feel like I'm just now starting to get some sense of normalcy, at least within my own life. It, it took a minute. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's just something I want to point out as well, is that I feel like a lot, I don't want a lot of people to just assume that it's disordered behaviors that they're experiencing right right now because it's only been six weeks. So part of it is I just want to emphasize that I want people to go easy on themselves also. So that would be number one is go easy on yourself. Maybe you're getting by, but not as great, 
and not as perfect as you would like, but to just wait it out maybe a couple more weeks and see if things get better. So that's that's for the first part. Um, but I think that if people are really finding that maybe this is bringing about um, more fears and more anxiety and maybe some uh, underlying maybe underlying issues that maybe they had been experiencing before, but maybe this is motivating them to want to address it through therapy. Because I think also being home and having more free time, a lot of people are starting to recognize like, wow, I need to, I need to address these issues that I've put behind for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of people are, have more time to think about things and maybe hopefully are thinking more about self-care. So I've had some people actually seek out um, psychiatric services from me, um, some of my patients recently, because they're noticing like this is stuff that they've put behind for so long and they want to finally address their anxiety issues and stuff like that. So um, there's that set of people also. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. oh, I was going to say, I, I totally hear that. <laughs> like, I feel like even for me, it's like, wow, this is really making me pause and <laughs> deal with some things. And mm-hmm. um, also making a lot of internal progress, which is really cool to see it that way. I think a lot of us feel like we should be making more external process um, yeah. in our jobs or in the homeschooling or all the things that you said, but redirecting it and realizing like, actually, I'm making a lot of strides internally in my thinking mm-hmm. um, and in just, I think, other steps of life that I needed to take that I didn't direction wise for mm-hmm. my life that I didn't have the time to reflect on. Yeah. It's really, I think that is one of the things that have been great during this time, at least for those of us who do have the privilege to, to do that. Cause I realize that's not everybody's situation. Right. Um, but to the best that we can. So yeah, that's all. I'll let you finish what oh, yeah. you were yeah, no, that's going a, that's to the next step. Point, though. <laughs> I think that's an excellent point because especially with people not being, I mean, I mean, a lot of people aren't in their usual work environment. Um, and they're kind of have a little bit more time on their hands too. They're recognizing I need to fulfill my life in other ways. That's not like, oh, I have the best performance at my job right now. Right. Or, you know, they're having to actually look within. And I think for part of that, um, some people it's, okay, I need to address this, this issue I've had for a long time. So just to go yeah. along with what you said. Totally. Um, but yeah, for people with OCD, I would say um, the types of therapeutic interventions long term is, well, like one would be medication. So being a psychiatrist, I, I mostly treat the medical aspect related to a lot of these mental health struggles, you know. Yeah. Um, so I we usually want to make sure that there's nothing medical going on because there's a lot of medical issues that can contribute to worsening um, symptoms like that could manifest as OCD. So one would be to get that addressed, but also medications are shown to be pretty effective and helpful for calming these obsessive and compulsive thoughts. So medications would be one option. And then I would highly suggest seeing either first their primary uh, medical doctor or to go directly to a psychiatrist to address that. And then number two would be psychotherapy. And psychotherapy is really helpful, especially to have ways, like a build your toolbox on ways that you can manage your OCD. 
And this has been shown to have long-lasting benefits too, because it's one thing to have medications that alleviate some of your symptoms, but you all, you're going to be triggered. You're going to have stressors. You're going to have OCD, um, you know, exacerbations. So knowing and feeling confident in being able to cope with your symptoms is going to be ideal long-term. So there's different ways. One common way is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, that has been proven to help with OCD. So either meds, psychotherapy, or a combination of both. Yeah. Love me some CBT. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that will help people. I don't know. I I always feel like understanding that there is a solution, right? Like there is actually a, there are evidence-based ways to help treat and overcome this and it's you don't have to try to figure it out yourself or just live with it and let it get worse. Um, there are methods and therapeutic practices that can help this get better and help you live a more functional life. Exactly. And um, that's, I feel like that's always so hopeful to just know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'll just throw in there because one of the things that I do that I think try and promote on social media. Like a lot of people see me doing speaking engagements and putting myself out there. And, you know, I've been on TV a couple of times. A lot of people don't realize, like, I, I mean, I'm open about the fact that I had social anxiety disorder, but I was in therapy for years to overcome it. Mm. So I kind of like put myself out there as kind of an example. I'm somebody who in therapy was able to overcome it or have control, better control over it in order to put myself out there more and conquer this social anxiety. But it's something I have to work on on a regular basis. But when I say, tell people like, oh, go to psychotherapy, it's not just I'm saying that as a standard recommendation. I'm saying it also as proof like it totally. can help you succeed yeah it definitely therapy definitely helps you and I'll tag along with this in my own personal life it helps you definitely step past your fears yeah. you know and that accountability and someone just walking with you to take those next steps um past your comfort zone to get you to the other side is incredibly enriching and beneficial and helpful um I think everybody should have a counselor, therapist, mentor, you know, someone who's going to be there because we're all human. And I mean, the even the best, you know. I concur. <laughs> so just, I guess, some closing thoughts. Anything that you would put out there for people to remind themselves during this time? You've already dropped so many great gems. Um, but anything else uh, just to remind ourselves during this time, if you are struggling with anxiety or OCD. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So number one would be to accept that this is a really stressful and challenging time and that you're not going to be perfect. Um, You're doing the best you can. So just to reiterate that, because I think we have to hear these reminders on a regular basis. You're doing the best you can. This is only temporary. It's not permanent and you're going to get through this. So just, um, do the best you can, utilize some coping skills that you do have, but it will get better and trust that you'll get through it. So that would be number one. Um, Number two, again, reiterating the importance of setting limits and boundaries with news, the amount of information you consume, make sure it's trusted resources only and not some random um, Yeah, cousins, uncles, aunties, nephew (laughs) in the government. Yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Exactly. So 
trusted resources and setting limits and boundaries with it. Number three would be making sure you stick with a routine because as humans, we like routine. It helps give us some sense of some sense of control over our day-to-day life and also makes us prioritize things like sleep. If we have a routine, we're prioritizing sleep because sleep is going to be really, really important to help manage anxiety and our mood also in addition to exercise. So trying to have a routine with those types of things. And also number four would be staying connected, stay connected as much as possible. As humans, we're not really designed to just be isolated at home. So simple things like tuning into your church live stream every week or um, Zoom or different like online chats or calling people you haven't talked to. So anything to stay connected is going to help you get through this. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing those. And you are so on point with my thinking. I I feel like you're reading my thoughts there because I was just going to say the sleep thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I'm seeing and everyone's talking about how off their sleep has been. And as we know, like when your sleep is off, then your, your, you know, your mind is off and that's feeding into everything else because you're just more vulnerable. Um, Would you happen to have any sleeping tips while you're at it? Just, sleeping tips yeah yeah to stay on some type of like regimen or to get your body in a regular mode of sleeping mm-hmm. for full night you know yeah so part of a, a huge component of sleep is um like we have this circadian rhythm right like yeah. we get into this rhythm of when we sleep when we wake up it was really disrupted once the pandemic started because I think a lot of people were like I'm staying home so I don't have to go to maybe show up at the office the right. next day. So I'm going to stay up and watch Netflix till three in the morning. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking I'm about. I'm guilty, guilty. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. Um, so I, I think it was, it was totally understandable in the beginning, but now we've reached a point where, okay, you cannot go on sleeping at staying up till 3 a.m. Yeah. So number one is to make it a routine. What time you're going to head to like turn off the TV and all your electronics and all that stuff go to your bed and um, have a specific time that you're going to go to your room and go to bed uh, and lay in bed and try and make that as um, routine as possible every single night. And eventually we get, we kind of get into this rhythm where that becomes our normal when we're going to sleep. Number two would be, I know a lot of people are stressed at night and that's maybe when some of the anxiety sets in. So, and this might be easy for some, but difficult for a lot of other people, but trying to have some type of um, practice that kind of helps them wind down. So that does not mean having your TV on (laughs) while you're trying to go to sleep. That's more like maybe you journal, maybe some people utilize it for prayer um, or maybe your, um, reading like some kind of reading or something that kind of signifies like this is time to wind down and go to bed so yeah. something to slow down like that um and number three hmm uh well some simple things would be no caffeine no drinking um and all those things could that that can definitely disrupt your sleep so, yeah. but if, if those are, those are a struggle, I, I mean, there, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking your doctor if medications might be needed just temporarily to help you get through this, um, that, that, cause sleep is really important. So if you're trying everything and you're still not, a, not able to fall asleep, then that's always an option. 
Yeah, I love the um, like the nighttime mindfulness apps. Those are so great. That yeah. helped me wind down. Um, I was trying to think what else that I do. Um, but yeah, just that, just getting into those routines and those rituals, I think are so helpful. For So, so thank you for... Yeah. And, and you know what? I had a game changer that I realized last week that got me on task in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it was putting on jeans. And oh. I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize how much jeans were a signal to my body that I actually have things to do, like putting on real pants. Yeah, that is so cool. Is it because <laughs> that's what your usual attire is? That's Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I'm very like loungewear at home. Like I just love comfort. Like I'm just a comfort junkie. So oh. like putting on jeans, when I started putting on jeans in the morning, it was like my body's like, oh yeah, we got stuff to do. Like, so I don't know, <laughs> for someone time. out there, just put put on your jeans, you know, <laughs> put on real pants. <laughs> <laughs> put the sweats away. Put the sweats away. Um, do you have anything that you've been doing lately that's been helping like you just kind of stay cool or stay grounded throughout this time personally? I'm curious. So what I've been doing, and it's so f- interesting. I mean, I, I, I laugh when you said the jeans part because it's so true. Like for <laughs> me, it's as long as it's not sweats, because I've been wearing sweats all these these weeks and it yeah. wasn't until last week where I was like, screw the sweats. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to put up, like it's hot in Southern California now. So I put on a pair of shorts, but last week it was jeans. Um, it was yeah. jeans. It was um, scrub pants, you know, just something that doesn't indicate it's lounging time. And that really helped. In addition to, I'm I'm a morning shower person. But Me too. Me the, too. Oh, you are too. Okay, yeah. so you know how this is. During the pandemic, I was like, I'll shower at like noon or like 1 p.m. But it's now it's as soon as I wake up in the morning, I yeah. jump in the shower and it's a cold shower because then I'm not going to stay there for a long time. Um, <laughs> and it's quick. And that has really helped me because that's a routine again. Yeah. I totally identify with that. Um, we've also been doing weekly walks outside. Love that. Um, so, yeah, guys, maybe just think about, you know, make a list of some things that are your go-to, you know, as you're listening to this. Um, because, I, it, like, we can't, we might not be able to manage everything that's going on right now in the world, but we can to tr- try our best to manage our world, so to speak, and what's going on with us at home. Um, that can make it maybe more bearable, (laughs) Um, more productive. So I love that. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared. And I just appreciate your contribution to both the field and just the public as well and the work that you do and sharing so openly and being such a refreshingly open person yourself, um, showing another side to the mental health world. Uh, I'd love to use this time for you to maybe share or plug where you're at, how people can stay connected with you, if there's anything you're currently doing that people can latch on to, all the good stuff. Oh, yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram. And yes, my she Instagram. Is. yes, she is. Yes, she is. My Instagram it. is um, Freud and Fashion. And usually people struggle with um, spelling Freud. So I'm just going to spell it if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's F-R-E-U-D-A-N-D Fashion. So Freud and Fashion. So that's my Instagram. And that's also my handle for um, Facebook, Twitter. And then I have my blog, FreudandFashion.com. There it is. I follow all of them. I always love everything that you're dropping in your honesty, um, just as you have here today. So thank you so much for being here. I know that we're going to catch up 
after this um and we'll, when this is all over we'll definitely have to catch up i definitely. know we've, we've moved to different spaces in la county area but right. we'll get together thanks guys for listening until next time